This episode of The Latest is brought to you by The Latest. Today's episode is longer than usual, so I don't have time to tell you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Amazon Podcasts. And I definitely don't have time to tell you to recommend this show to a friend. And I certainly don't have time to ask you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I don't have time to say any of that. Enjoy the show. It's Monday, December 21. I'm Greg Ott. This is the latest. Tonight, the U.S. is under cyber attack as federal officials warn that a likely Russian-based hack has penetrated deep into U.S. national security infrastructure. Some calling it the cyber warfare equivalent of Pearl Harbor, fearing it is perhaps the biggest attack on American infrastructure ever. Now, CNN has reported that systems belonging to the Departments of Homeland Security, Agriculture, and Commerce were compromised. Those voices are discussing a massive cyber attack on U.S. organizations believed to have originated from Moscow. Which, if true, would make it the biggest Russian hack since Yakov Smirnov. Gaining access to everything from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to companies like Boeing, this brazen act of espionage is making many in Washington consider the same question. Are these organizations that are already killing us going to end up killing us? At least 40 U.S. companies, government agencies, and think tanks were struck by the only unprecedented and significant cyber incident of last week that didn't result in a bunch of punked gamers getting refunds on their PlayStation accounts. A sweeping foreign intelligence operation, believed to have begun as early as March, granted suspected hackers access to everything, from the email accounts of senior members of the Treasury Department, which explains that message in your spam folder from Steve Mnuchin claiming that he found you an extra stimulus check if you'll just click this link, to the municipal network for the city of Austin, Texas, which should, at a minimum, keep things weird for at least a little while longer. While the full breadth of what's been stolen or manipulated remains unclear, Fred Flintstone impersonator Mike Pompeo has called the breach a grave risk to the United States. Pornographic film star Dick Durbin has described it as a virtual act of war. And skeleton-elect Joe Biden has vowed to levy substantial costs on those responsible for forcing the federal agency tasked with safeguarding nuclear weapons to take their place in line at the Genius Bar, behind the guy who claims his touchscreen stopped working while it was raining when we all know that he actually dropped his phone in the toilet. The scale of these attacks is what's most significant. It's not like they just changed the wallpaper to make it look like they cracked the screen. Experts believe that residual damage and lingering malware means that entire systems need to be burned down to the ground, which should be no problem considering the number of data centers headquartered in Southern California. That's because hackers are believed to have harvested such a vast amount of data that they themselves don't exactly know how much useful information that they've stolen. But if they're planning to build a sinister operation that leverages every bit of that data to make money, while destroying the country's media literacy and trust in democratic institutions, it's probably too late to do anything about it, because Facebook's already cornered that market. While the exact perpetrators have yet to be identified, security agencies and tech companies have linked the attacks to the Russian government, that kind-hearted organization that enjoys changing things up every once in a while just for the fun of it, like killing its own countrymen through radiation poisoning when it grows tired of good old-fashioned alcohol poisoning. 
Signs point to the attacks originating from the thinkpads of Cozy Bear and Fancy Bear, which are either the names for the hacking groups affiliated with the successor to the KGB or your latest matches on Grinder, who are the same hackers responsible for interfering with the US's 2016 election, meddling in the Brexit campaign that same year, leaking emails before the 2017 presidential election in France, and hacking American power plants and water processing facilities in 2018. The only thing in cyberspace that they haven't been responsible for is making a picture of an egg the most liked post on Instagram in 2019. You were responsible for that. And I hope you're proud of what you've done. The Russian Federation, alongside paying a living wage and the concept of dressing up to go to the theater, has long been at odds with our society. In 2014, late Senator John McCain described Russia as a gas station masquerading as a country. The kind of place where you're too busy watching the in-pump television to notice that a skimmer logged your Amex credentials while you topped off that second car your wife bought you as a Christmas present last December, if you remember. And I remember laughing at Mitt Romney during a 2012 debate with President Obama for claiming that Russia was the United States' greatest geopolitical foe. Because back then, it seemed as clear as day to everyone that the answer was Joseph Kony. But countries like Russia and Iran and North Korea no longer have to be big and powerful in order to inflict serious damage on a country like ours. After all, why go through all the trouble of trying to set off a dirty bomb when they can just use a Word document to take down an entire network? Something that we barely even notice because crashing a computer already seems to be a feature built into that application. Now, I'm not worried about Dimitri from Leningrad commandeering my Netflix account to watch Jingle Jangle. I'm worried that major institutions that we entrust, banks, the Department of Defense, female body inspectors, are in the hands of the kinds of people who think that adding an exclamation point to the end of the same password that they've been using for 20 years turns them into a cryptographer. That's not a joke. The breach that made it possible to hack these organizations came from a software company called SolarWinds, and the password that allowed hackers into their servers was SolarWinds123. You don't need the Russians to build an Enigma machine to break into something that's easier to figure out than whether or not you see five or six mailboxes in a CAPTCHA. One theme of this show is that I believe this country is constantly stuck in the past, jonesing for the actor who hates playing Han Solo to show up for 30 seconds of The Mandalorian, instead of enjoying something new that hasn't had the opportunity yet to be crafted into a Happy Meal toy. U.S. cyber defense spending for 2021 is said to be $18.7 billion, barely 2.5% of the Department of Defense's whole $700 billion-plus budget. Instead of building aircraft carriers and automatic weapons, we should be outfitting our soldiers with YubiKeys and subscriptions to LastPass. But it's not like there's any leadership coming from the top down on things like this. Not only because the Commander-in-Chief's Twitter account was hacked in July after master codebreakers figured out the password was MAGA2020, but because the sucker still takes Vladimir Putin's word over everyone else's. The man could walk in on Putin banging Melania, and leave convinced that it was someone else conspiring within her deep state. While Biden has stopped short of calling this an act of war, he's vowed to take at least some sort of action, like slapping sanctions on your college theater department's Zoom production of Uncle Vanya. But if we're not willing to invest in keeping this country's hard drives safe enough to store our secrets, we shouldn't be surprised when we find out that our adversaries have taken our dick pics to draw up schematics to start f***ing us in our own ass.
And now it's time for the OJ Simpson Twitter update. Hey, Twitter world. Hey, Twitter world. Hey, Twitter world. This is me, yours truly. Yours truly. My guests today are Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian, a pair of relationship counselors who have conducted marriage counseling and couples therapy for thousands of couples for more than 20 years, with many of those experiences shared through their podcast, Couples Synergy. Real couples, real stories. Dr. Ray and Jean, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. On Monday... OJ shared his experience with a married couple, taking part in his fantasy football league. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Well, it's all about sports today. Uh, one team, uh, 32 tiers, he's uh, a guy who lives in San Antonio, he's from Lockport, New York. He would automatically be in if he won. Well, he lost. Uh, and then I eliminated one team, and then Tammy, the only female in our league, defeated her husband. So three of us were tied. I went into the game 15.6 uh, points ahead of Tammy. But during the game, she kind of went by me, and then things started going bad for me. So I'm depressed. I'm driving home. I called them, uh, Tammy and her husband, in Newport. He answered, and I said, hey, I'm going to do something that some people are not doing. I concede. You won. He says, OJ, this is like Thomas Dewey and, and the Truman election. You didn't lose. I literally won by four-tenths of a point. That's four yards for the entire season. Congratulations to me. Dr. Ray and Jean, what do you think about what OJ had to say? You know, Greg, it, it is always very important for couples to have fun together, sharing common interests, and, you know, having a little banter and lighthearted competition over fantasy football is just one way to do that. Yeah, doing new things and doing things as a couple is really important. It really infuses a lot of fun activity and bonding. And the fact that he won by just such a tiny thing, that's a great story. It's really exciting. And I'm sure they'll be talking about this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about OJ? Well, he's a murderer. He's a murderer. That's this week's OJ Simpson Twitter update. Dr. Ray and Jean, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thanks for really having fun. us, Greg. And that's the latest, written, recorded, produced by Greg Ott. OJ Simpson Twitter update produced by Christy Forsh. If you like the show, please tell a friend to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of those weird apps. You can read transcripts and other things about the show at latestpod.com. I'm on Twitter at underscore Greg Ott. Yeah, right. Next week, get ready, special episode, our second annual, first annual year in review. See you soon. And by see you soon, I mean hear you soon. And by hear you soon, I mean you'll be hearing me soon. And by hearing me soon, I mean you will soon be hearing me do another episode of this podcast. Happy holidays.